Hebrews chapter 13 is where we're at. Hebrews chapter 13, substantial obedience requested. I love the book of Hebrews. Last request from a pastor. That's what we're seeing here. Exhortations to love one another. That's the first verse. Let brotherly love continue. It's a little small phrase. I don't think we should let this small little phrase fool us. Uh, it is maybe one of the most important exhortations out of the whole chapter of Hebrews chapter 13. By the way, Hebrews chapter 13, I've taught through it. This will be my third time verse by verse in my life. And every time I leave it a better Christian, a fuller, deeper, wider, as a born-again believer, understanding the big picture of how God does things. Uh, let brotherly love continue. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. <coughs> Excuse me. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. The word charity is agape love. It's the highest form of love. Self-sacrificing love. It's the love a mother has for a child. A soldier has for his country. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, and I have all knowledge, and though I have all faith, now nobody has all that. But hypothetically, he's saying if I'm the biggest, baddest, bestest in all these areas, uh, I understand all mysteries, and I have all knowledge, and I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not love or charity, I am, repeat the word, Nothing. That's unbelievable. Nothing. I mean, everybody <clears throat> else <clears throat> would think you're something. I'm having a little trouble with my voice today. Everybody else would think you're something. But you're nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. That's big. And though I give my body to be burned for a good cause, hopefully. And I have not love or charity, it profiteth me nothing. Uh, John, <clears throat> in church history, John the Apostle, by the way, of all the apostles, the 12 apostles, I said 12 because Paul was one. Uh, to, of the 12 apostles, all of them died martyrs' deaths historically. We don't know that from the Bible, but we know that from history, except one. And that was the beloved apostle. John. He was 17, probably 17 years old when Jesus picked him. He was the youngest of them. Uh, Peter being probably the oldest of them. And John, he lived about 100 years old according to history. And on his way out of Ephesus, he was an old man. They had to carry him. And his last time he was carried out of the church of Ephesus, he said, little children love one another. You only got one more thing. You got, you got one sentence you can say to your kids. What are you going to say? I can think of better than that. You said you said you would tell them you loved them. There's something better to say than that. What he said right here. Forget about you loving them because you're dying and going to be gone. You folks love one another. If you had one thing to say this morning to you as a piece of advice from the Bible, love one another. That's a choice, by the way. It's not fuzzy-feely emotion. That's... Phileo love. Phileo love's a fuzzy feeling. In other words, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. You, you help me, I help you. 
You make me feel good. I make you feel good. I like to be in your conversation. You like to be in my conversation so we get together. If we don't, we don't. That's phileo love. That's cheap, surface, self-satisfying love. But agape love is self-sacrificing love. That's love of a mother keeping a Down syndrome child until the child, until the mom dies, or keep an autistic child until the, literally the parent dies. That's to me. I, I've seen love in this life. I've seen people love. I, I saw I saw Jim Till take care of his Alzheimer's wife for ten years, and she didn't know who he was. Mr. Smith, you saw him over in over in a Community Baptist Church, take care of his woman, honorably. Buddy, that's what it means. You know, oh, you married people. For better or for worse. This is the worst. In other words, when your wife gets Alzheimer's, you don't dump her and get a woman half her age. You don't do that. That's not love. As a Christian, God forbid you do that. Show real biblical self-sacrificing love and give of yourself. You know, we sing, give of yourself to the master, give of the strength of your youth. Well, giving of yourself to the master is giving of yourself to each other. Amen? A woman and I took a bow based on the things of God, and we said for better for worse, sickness and in health, richer for poor, to death do us part. Most of you took that vow. Basically, it's saying no matter what comes along, I'm sticking with you. I'm going to make you miserable till you die, but I'm sticking with you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I saw spousal abuse right there. She just hit him. In fact, I saw that this week. But anyway, uh, that's what happened. Love, love, personal comment. Here's the personal comment. As a pastor, assistant pastor for now 41 years, coming up for By this way, this is our anniversary Sunday, 41 years. Praise the Lord for that. Christ-like love solves most problems. If people would just self-sacrificingly love each other, it'd solve 90-plus percent of the problems that you have, interpersonal problems. Let me read you some of the places the Bible talks about it. John 13, 34. And now I command you that you love one another. John 15, 12, that you love one another. John 15, 17, that you love one another. I'm just doing part of the verse. Romans 13, 8, owe no man anything but to love one another. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 says, uh, we're taught by, of God to love one another. 1 Peter 1, 22 says, seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit with un unfeigned love of the brethren, that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. 1 John 3.11 says, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 1 John 3.24 says, This is the commandment, that we should believe in the name of the Lord, name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. 1 John 4.7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, knoweth God. 1 John 4.11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Verse John 4, 12, right next verse, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and has love that's perfected in us. Second John 
chapter 1, verse 5, Now I beseech you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. The book of, um, it's not coincidental that it was the Apostle John that wrote, uh, how can you say you love God when you, when you don't love the, how can you say you love, I'm going to get this. How is it that you say, You love God, which you cannot see. And you don't love the brother, which you can see. If you can't love your brother who you see, how can you say you love God who you don't see? That's the Bible. That's a rebuke, by well, my brothers, they don't act the way they should all the time. That's what self-sacrificing is. Amen? Put up with each other a little bit. Amen? we got to put up with each other. I've been married 50 years, brother. you got to put up with a woman. And a woman's got to put up with a man. If you don't get, if you don't get, if you don't get, if you don't have a little elephant hide, you're not going to stay married real long. You know, and you keep switching every four, five, six years. The next one ain't any better than the other one. And then the next one, the next one, the next one. And you never get the beauty of what, what real, honest loyalty is all about. Loyalty is sweet. Loyalty has a, has a quality to it that I can't even describe for you. It's just the best of the best, loyalty. I look at my wife and I say, of all the human beings in the world, I have at least one person that's loyal to me, really. And I mean, knows me at my worst. Not my best. Oh, yeah, knows me at my best, but also knows me at my worst. That's what we're talking about, right? To know me is not to love me. And all the women said, hey, man, it's a pain, I'll tell you what. Let's go to verse 4 here. Let's go to verse 4. Where are we at here? Verse 3, verse 4. Oh, I'll do verse 3. How about that? Remember them that are in bonds is bound with them. Oh, I like that. And then the suffer adversity as being yourselves in the body. i got to stop there and make a comment. Um, you do not know what people are going through until you walk in their shoes. But how many times have I heard people arrogantly make comments, airhead comments, that they feel they know something that they've never experienced? Really? And you can't, you, you, I mean, I'm not saying you can't know the structure of it and know the facts of it, but I'm talking about know it experientially, know it. You've got to go through it to know it, right? You had the shingles, you know what it is. You had the gout. I mean, you had the gout. God bless you. You know gout. Gout, you know gout. And nobody that hasn't had it, as much as you can try to describe it to them, they don't know it. But we're supposed to be, the word for that verse there in verse 4 is empathy. Sympathy is not having experienced it, but being sorry that you have, have experienced it. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're going through your troubles, but I haven't had them. Empathy is I've had the same trouble you've had, and brother, I know what you're going through. 
It's a different, completely different deal. But when you empath, why does God give you trouble? Is so that you can empathize with folks. I've been given trouble most of my life. Twenty years old, had thyroid cancer and radiation and all that stuff. That some lymph nodes taken out. That was so I could, and I have used that to its fullest to empathize with people that have had similar experiences and, and other things that have happened to me and that have got, and this new thing that I have here, by the way, look at that because I'm going to be on there next Sunday. Um, look, I get this. So God's doing something. I thought I was so old. He didn't need to teach me anything yet. I was over it. I thought I learned everything. No, I haven't learned everything. I'm still learning, by the way. I'm going back, but I, I'm going back. I'm not happy with what what went. Can you take? Let's see if I. Uh oh. Put me back to uh, slide number. Put me back to verse two. I got so caught up when I was doing, I got off my off my track, and I want to go back because there's good stuff I missed. Um, so I think in verse four, it, it's real. Not verse four, verse two here. Verse two, you go verse. Okay, here we go. I got it from here. Something's not. Forget it. I'm going to read it to you. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. You ever, ever, ever entertain some angels? Yeah. If you did, you wouldn't know it. Because they're just, they look just like everybody else. Um. I think I have. I think I have. I know there's some crazy stuff that's going on. Uh, but we're supposed to be, we're supposed to have a sense of hospitality. Can I have some people read? You got, if you've got a King James Bible, I want you to be able to read for me. If you don't have a King James Bible, don't do it. If you've got a King James Bible, I want you to read. I asked you, Dale, can you read? You got your book? Okay, read if you would uh, Romans 12, 13, 1 Peter 4, 9. Anybody down in their section? 1 Peter 4, 9. Okay, brother. And uh, 1 Timothy 3, 2. We got anybody over here? In first, anybody want, and we got some readers. We got some readers. 1 Peter 3, 2. Uh, you're going to do that to me, aren't you? 1 Peter, there you go, brother. 1 first, first Timothy. Not 1 Peter. 1 Timothy 3, 2. And while you're there, just slip over to Titus 1, 8. Okay, so Romans. You got to read loudly. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. We're supposed to be given to hospitality, amen. All right, so first Peter 4 9. Hospitality should be our characteristic. And then for a pastor, deacon, who, who's gonna read there? For Pastor Deacon, stand, give it to him, brother. First Timothy 3 2. 3 2.
There you go. And then Titus 1 8. Something's wrong with me here. Just go ahead and put it back to where it was at the beginning, and I'll work out. Thank you for that. Okay, so the, the qualifications of a pastor is that they're to be hospitable. Hospitality. You all know hospitality. I mean, you all know what that means, you know. It doesn't just mean having people over for dinner, or, but it just it means to accommodate people, help them. They need, they need some food. Uh, you know, give them some food. People get sick and shut in. This church is a hospitable group. I mean, you, you you shine in this area. If somebody gets sick in our church, you take food over to them, you help them. Uh, a lot of people in this repair their plumbing, uh, widows and, and single moms. You make sure they don't get ripped off when they buy a car, um, you know, stuff like that. You do all kinds of things. All that is in the realm kind of of, did, did you? Maybe I turned it off. It shouldn't have anything to do with me, brother. You got it. You got the power. Forget it. There's a there's a the spirit uh, that works in um, against us is after us. Okay, so let me go on to verse three. So I'm, that's all I'm going to say. But man. Uh, Look for opportunities to be hospitable. Just switch. You switch it. You you switch it. And now, well, then it's going to work. Then, all right. This is what happens when you don't teach every week. See what happens? You get rusty. I've had Doctor Strange teaching and teaching and teaching. I've laid back, gotten rusty. My stuff won't work. Just go out of it and go back in it. There you go. You're a good man. Appreciate you, brother. Because this is going to be good. Remember them. That verse 3 there talks about, so we're supposed to have the spirit of love, right? We start out with spirit of love. Love. Self-sacrificing love. Don't miss it. Force yourself. Ask God to help you. I believe as a spiritual uh, born-again believer, you need God to help you with this because we're not naturally really sacrificing. We need God to help us with this. So you ask him, what should I pray for, preacher? Pray that you'll love one another. With a self-sacrificing love, pray that you're well, and there's pray that you're not, you know, easily offended, pushed away easily. Uh, man, man, don't be touchy. Don't be grouchy. I'm, I'm preaching myself now. Don't be grouchy. Don't be touchy. Uh, you know, don't be a person that people want to avoid because all you do is talk about yourself. You know, you dominate the conversation. It's all about you. That's, that's not love. That's not love. Not the Bible kind of love. So then we're supposed to be careful that we entertain strangers unaware. We have hospitality. We're also in verse 3. Remember them that are in bonds is bound with them. So we uh, are try to, try to walk in other people's shoes as God will give us the ability. Um, and in verse 4, marriage is honorable in all the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. By the way, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. That's not been taken out of the Bible. 
and it will not be taken out. And what you sow, you reap in this life. And there actually is some hangover into the next life because while you're out doing what's wrong, you're messing up good time that you could have been doing what was right. You lose that, and that's lost forever. And so you never will gain that back. So there is some truth to the fact that what you sow, you reap, not only in this life, but in the one to come uh, on things. So you just want to try to do the right thing. Why is it talking about marriage? Well, marriage is the foundation of every society. You can mark it in your book when marriage is when marriage is destroyed, a society will collapse. This whole transgender thing is just the beginning of the collapse. When you're marrying men with men, women with women, that's just the beginning of the collapse. It's the death throes. It's the death throes. Um, it's the beginning of the collapse of a society. The only thing holding the society together in America are solid marriages, families. Even non-saved, non-Christian families help to give a cohesiveness to things in a society. You must have it. But the marriage is honorable in all. Uh, the bed undefiled. Why did he say that? Because the devil does all he can to cause you to have sex outside of marriage. And how many would say amen to that? Man, he does. The devil's throwing everything he's got at you to try to get you to have sex illicitly. Absolutely everything. I mean, everything he's got, every media form he has, he's trying to do it. So you, you ignore all that, and you obey God, and you... Find a woman, you two get married, and you take vows together to be loyal to death till you part. You do it God's way. Uh, then people get married. And then he switches his methodology on you. What's he do? Well, then he tries to discourage sex in marriage with things like prudism or Victorianism. You with me on that? In other words, a man resists, let's just go to the man, okay? I'm not a woman. I don't know what women think like. And trust me, I do not know women. But I know something about men. And a man is driven, and he's, he's tempted on every side in this area of sexual sin. And he, hold, he holds himself for the, for, by the grace of God. Let's just take a guy like Thomas. He's held himself for God. He's 25 years old. He finds low, low. Hey, they get they get married. They go to no sweat dentistry in Fort Myers. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Mom and dad are here. The grandkids you can see them, and it's a beautiful thing. They make they make beautiful children, by the way. Uh, so, and then what he does is he tries to ruin what God meant for us to have in marriage. He tries to ruin it. How does he try to do that? Cause the wife to get bitter? Cause the husband to get to be, uh, um, I'm, I'm careful, I'm really choosing my words out here. Cause the husband to be obnoxious, selfish, you know, inconsiderate, and causes the wife to be prudish, Victorian. I've heard women tell me sex is for having children.
Sex is not for just having children. It's a mutual exchange of a husband and wife. The two becoming one flesh is a, it is a picture of what God spiritually has done. And, and listen, it, it, and as a woman, you're, you're, i gotta, I got to be careful, but there's places in Scripture you can go to where it tells you responsibility to your man. Uh, don't let another woman take your man because you're a prude or because you're Victorian, or because you believe sex is just for having children, so you just discourage it. That's the only sanctified place on earth that a man can do that. That's what it says right there. Marriage is honorable. Repeat it. Honorable in all. The bed's undefiled. Blanket statement. But those who do it outside of God's way, and what's the Bible call them? Not me. The Bible says they're whoremongers, adulterers. God will judge. Does that say it or don't say it? 2,000 years old. And so, I got a whole lot more to say on that subject, but I got to stop. Uh, marriage is, uh, is a beautiful thing that God's given us. By the way, it's a, it's a type of you and Christ joining together. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's the parallel. And gave himself for it. And so be true to each other. Be faithful to each other. I have seen women married to the scumbag rascals. I mean, they'd come in and talk to me about him. And after they described him to me, I wanted to kill him myself. I mean, that boy shouldn't even live, he's so bad. But they, they were loyal to it. They took their vow, they were loyal. And, and they cried through it, and they prayed through it, and they suffered through it. And man, I've seen some great outcomes. I've seen some great outcomes. Don Woodard, a, a rascal. His wife stuck with him, and he turned into being the best husband she said you could ever have for the last 20 years of her life. My grandfather was an alcoholic would get the DTs on the floor, had eight children through this woman in poverty and never could hold it. You know, when you're drunk, you don't hold a job well. And, and, and yet he got saved at 60 years old and for 19 years lived for Jesus and could say nothing but good about her and lifted her up and pray. I listened to her as a kid. I'm listening. Oh, you know, she got 19 beautiful years. Now, she, she paid a price early on. The trouble is we quit too soon. And I've seen over and over cases, these women, they trusted God and just said, Lord, save this old boy. Save and God saved him. God saved Don Woodard. God saved my grandfather. God saved, uh, I'm trying to think of some other examples, even in this church that I've known. And God saved him. Uh, and God may, may save your old husband if you stick with him. If he's not saved, help him to be a good Christian. Love you. It's a great verse. These are just last words of a pastor. Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews under the inspiration of the Spirit kind of just gives last words. And they're a little bit detached from each other, these verses, one for the other. Don't have a real strong connection to each other, but just truths. Or he could say the last chapter of Hebrews is things I have learned, things that you, you need to practice as a believer. And then in verse 13, 
Let's see if I can do this. This thing may work. I don't know. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have, for I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. This may be the most quoted portion of a verse in the Bible. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will, I will not fear what man can do unto me. The fear of man, the Bible says, is a snare. But, you know, COVID, it's bad. People have died. It's horrible. But don't, don't walk around in fear. Don't walk around. In fear. I hope you haven't walked around. In fear. I have not walked around in fear since March of last year. Now I'm not tempting. I'm not. You know, I'm not cocky. I'm not arrogant. I'm not exempt. I, I, God may have me die of COVID, but if He does, at least until I died, I wasn't living in fear. Not going around. Not going to let the. We are not given the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. The Bible says. Sure, be cautious. There's nothing wrong with that, all that. But don't you live in fear. Don't you go around. I got people that I talk to them, and you can see the fear in their eyes. They're just scared. What's happening? We just trust God. Even, hey, I'm not afraid of Biden being the president. I am afraid of Kamala. You look in her eyes, buddy, you know something bad's coming down the tubes for us. But anyway. But I'm just trusting God. How about you? All the way home. Father, help us. Thank you for these truths. Even though they're unattached one from another, help us to get them. Apply them to life. Help us, Lord, as we go on. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.